Membership fees apply after free trial. Cancel any time. Can I be real for a second? That goal you have to exercise and eat better, you really can do it. But nobody is going to do it for you. And nobody has to because you can do it if you have the right tools and a community that cares about helping you get results. And that's us, Beachbody. It's as convenient as your TV or laptop, but you need to decide that you're worth it. Let us help you succeed. Here's how. Go to Beachbody.com to claim your free membership and start feeling great. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that... That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton. Hello and welcome back to the Space News Podcast. I'm Will, and you can check us out on any podcast platform that you listen to podcasts on including our new website spacenewspodcast.com thank you so much for all the support throughout the time that i've been doing this and let's get right into this because this is the day before thanksgiving so well let's just say it flat earthers be damned uh can you walk off a moon (laughs) well on phobos the moon of uh mars it's a tiny potato shaped moon if you walk fast enough at a brisk brisk pace, you may start tumbling off into space. A new report in advances in space research uh, states. So the new research, which admittedly seems a bit uh, superfluous at first, looked at the latest published models of Phobos, odd shape and dynamics. And it was these people were studying about future exploration missions And if people were trying to navigate around the moon and walk on the surface of the moon, what would happen? Phobos is 14 miles wide. It has a weird shape. It's tiny, 14 miles wide. It is a very small moon. And that means that the gravitational field uh, significantly varies on the surface of the moon. And since the moon is already really small, has very little mass, a tiny variation in it, uh, in its surface could mean that you could literally walk off the moon and float away into space. So because gravity is inexplicably tied to weight, a 150 pound person would weigh about two ounces, two ounces, excuse me, on Phobos. That is tiny. You would be tiny. <laughs> Phobos. So researchers say that there are some places on the earth or on the moon, excuse me, where the gravity is weak enough that traveling any faster than normal walking speed, around 3.1 miles per hour, um, could send you off into space where you'll end up orbiting Mars. <laughs> so you could literally walk off Mars's moon and just go into orbit around Mars. Uh, just because, you know, because you just you walked 3.4 miles an hour instead of 3.0 or 3.1 miles per hour. So you could literally be a moon of Mars. You could literally, well, you you wouldn't be a moon, but you'd be a person floating around Mars. And um, the study also found that there are certain areas on Phobos where um, a rover would be able to briefly zip along the surface at at about 22.5 miles per hour. And, um, you know, considering that two Russian missions, Phobos 1 and Phobos 2, have already failed to make it to the moon, 
and that a Japanese landing mission to Phobos is tentatively planned for launch in 2024, the more we can learn about Phobos's asymmetrical gravitational field, the better. So this place is really small, really, really small, 14 miles. If you're going 60 miles an hour, it would take you about 14 miles to get there on a deserted road and with no turns. You know, if you're if you're going at exactly 60 miles an hour in straight path, it would take you 14 minutes to get there. And uh, or across it, I'm sorry. So 14 miles across the moon. So you could literally travel across this thing in under like in about a quarter of an hour. So uh, but if you go that fast, you will float off the moon and you will <laughs> you will orbit Mars. So don't do that. Keep it slow, man. Keep it chill. Keep it mellow. If you ever go to Phobos, that is the rule. That's the warning that I can give you today. This is brought to you by astronomy.com. And so, you know, if you if you want to go to Phobos, just be forewarned. I warned you. Don't go there. And speaking of Mars, well, we got a lander going there really, really soon. Mars's InSight lander by NASA. All systems are go for Monday touchdown. So November 26th, we're going to land another thing on Mars. Uh, personnel affiliated with the InSight mission confirmed during a pair of news conferences held today that the lander is ready. Everything is go. All systems go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. As uh, of that news conference, the spacecraft had traveled about 295 million miles of the 301 million miles that will make up its total journey. Now, uh, one of the most serious hurdles remains. The entry, descent, and landing process will, will begin at about 3 p.m. Eastern on uh, Monday. So 3 p.m. Eastern on Monday. This is going to be crazy time for this lander. This is the... Um, this is this is go time. This is if something goes wrong, it's probably going to go wrong here. Um, so once it lands, everything should be good to go. But this is the hard part. Getting it there is pretty, you know, it's pretty routine by now. You know, we send a bunch of stuff to Mars and we send people send things in orbit around Mars. It's pretty, quote, routine as far as uh, Mars travel goes. But landing things on Mars, landing rovers on Mars is really, really difficult. And NASA's project manager, Todd Hoffman, said during the news conference, my heart is beating inside my chest like a drum. While everybody's off having turkey tomorrow, there'll be a bunch of people here, people here at JPL, uh, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, working all day long, hopefully taking a little bit of a break for a turkey dinner but largely working to make sure we land successfully on Mars. So Monday, 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 3 p.m. Eastern, check out NASA.com. I'm going to hopefully do a live podcast then. I might have actual, you know, I might have to do work in my actual job, in my real job, not at the podcast. But if I could do a live podcast of what's happening, that'd be great. I'm going to be watching it on my second monitor. And as soon as I know anything, I'm going to post a podcast and let you guys know if all systems are go. And I will post it as soon as possible. So <clears throat> the, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm waiting. Everybody else is waiting. So lining up the spacecraft properly, um, you know, on this entry will boost the odds that everything will go smoothly during entry, descent and landing. And although that process lasts for less than seven minutes, um, a lot could go wrong. And because the spaceship, it abruptly slows down from 12,000 miles an hour down to five miles an hour 
12,000 miles an hour to five miles per hour. That is an abrupt stop. <laughs> so the only, hopefully the, um, you know, the landing is good, but the landing looks clear. And according to scientists who have been providing daily updates for the touchdown, the dust storms that have plagued Mars this year have mostly died down. And InSight's landing site, the Elysium Plantitia, has been particularly quiet. For the last month or so, things have been looking really good, said Rob Grover, who is overseeing the entry, descent, and landing phase. He said that during the press conference. And we're expecting a very plain day on Mars for the landing, and we're very happy about that. So, um, it you know, we're going to have to wait for about 16 minutes to allow the dust uh, that kicks up to settle down again. Then the lander will deploy its circular solar arrays. A crucial step in the process is the batteries on board will last only about one Martian day. So if these things don't deploy, if these solar arrays don't deploy, they got no juice. And, you know, they have three more opportunities to unfold them. You know, there's not just one opportunity. Project manager at Lockheed Martin, Stu Spath, said, um, which built most of the spacecraft. The spacecraft is entirely capable of taking care of itself during that period. So it's going to be on autopilot in this period, and it's going to be doing routine things to make sure that everything works properly. But we're not going to know what happens right away. So there's this orbiter, the 2001 Mars Odyssey, that's going around the planet. It's orbiting the planet, and we're going to try to shoot um, signals from the lander to the 2001 Mars Odyssey and shoot those signals back to Earth. But the problem is the Odyssey is going to be on the other side of the planet. So we can't get line of sight to shoot data from the lander to Odyssey. So what is happening? InSight has two tiny satellites that traveled with it. Uh, the Mars Cube 1 or the Marco and, um, you know, two satellite companions they carry test te te test technology. There we go. Yeah, like I can say that twice. Test technology. Okay, there we go. I did it. And so they'll relay signals from the lander straight back to Earth, bypassing the Lars, the large Mars orbiters. Um, so we're going to be hearing about it later on, November 26th, when NASA holds a news conference after the fact, sometime after 5 p.m. Eastern. Until then, um, somebody from the InSight mission... Um, said, it's goodbye, thank you, and see you on Mars next week. So that's what they said at the end of the press conference, and that's what's going to happen. We'll see you at Mars on Monday, and hopefully, you know, we get there and we can do some science. That'll be pretty great. There's a, I have a podcast a couple days ago about Insight in the Lander, so go check that out. Um, it, you know, there's a, it's a brief rundown of what it does, how it does things, why it's doing the things that it's doing. And uh, what kind of science it's going to bring back to Earth. And it's going to bring back some really cool stuff. So go check that out when you have a minute. It's down in the podcast list. It's down in the playlist. So, you know, give it a listen if you have a couple minutes. Now, this is the Go Home Show before Thanksgiving. And I want to say thank you to everybody who's ever supported me in any of this space stuff that I've done. I ran a very successful website, spaceindustrynews.com. There were 1.5 million plus visitors to that site. And uh, Reddit was a big part of that. And I want to say thank you to Reddit. Thank you, um, everybody in the, um, you know, in the universe who supported myself in this crazy media journey that I'm on with all this space stuff. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
the best thing you could do to help keep supporting the podcast is to give it a five-star rating and write a report. A report? Who does that? Oh, scientists do that. But you don't have to do that. You just have to write a comment and say, hey, cool, this podcast is awesome. And on that note, I'm out of here for the Thanksgiving holiday. I may post a quick podcast tomorrow, but I don't think there's really much space stuff going on. I don't know if I'm going to have time tomorrow, considering that it's a holiday. So with that being said, make sure to subscribe to the pod and I will see you tomorrow. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after. We'll see. Anyway, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. And for Space News Podcast, I'm Will. Check us out at spacenewspodcast.com. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that, that's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.